Welcome to Wild Sea the Podcast. This is your host, Danny Smith, and today I have my friend D Scott with us. Hi everybody. Hi D. Tell us a little about yourself. Yeah, D Scott with DD Real Estate Group, powered by Keller Williams. You know, it is my intention um, in my real estate career to help my community build generational wealth through home ownership. I've discovered that that is my passion mm-hmm. in doing this. Um, so I've been doing this for 17, almost 18 years. Wow. Definitely highs and lows. <laughs> I have failed forward a lot. Failed forward. I like that. <laughs> failed forward. Not backwards. Not backwards. <laughs> no, no, not backwards. And sometimes you do have to go back and be like, okay, we got to start from there. And really, where do we fail here? Like right. what happened here? Mm-hmm. So that we don't continue the same failure as we're moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... You know, that's that is it's why I teach the classes that I teach. It's it's why I um, have been intentional and committed to my own self mastery and mm-hmm. self discovery. That's me. That's what I that's who I be. Perfect. And you're from Seattle, right? I am from Seattle, born and raised. Oh. I was born in <laughs> okay. Seattle. I was born at group group health. OK, um, I grew up in South Seattle Skyway area. My okay. parents, I was fortunate. My parents um, were able to put me through private school through junior high and high school what is your favorite memory of growing up in Seattle you know um I can remember I think it was it might have been in 91 89 or 91 we had that we had a really really bad um snowstorm Mm. um and I can remember well first of all every single winter I can remember my dad always worked late but I I can remember watching Chimp and Dale (laughs) um DuckTales yeah I can remember um, we had a wood stove. Mm-hmm. Wood stove seemed to mm-hmm. always be going on. Yeah, um, I can remember my dad chopping wood. I can remember our next door neighbors. They had these really cool um, snow sleds. <laughs> and I didn't know that we were blue collar family. I didn't even know that was what that meant. But my dad, I don't think we could afford those. So we had this, uh, this plastic twin size bed. And my dad tied a rope and t- took it all the way to the top of <laughs> <laughs> top of the hill. Yeah, and he would pull me and my sister down on it. Oh in my the gosh! Snow. Wow. And we did it for hours. Wow, that's pretty amazing. And like, nice job, dad. Nice job, for dad. Doing that. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know a lot of dads that would do that. Yeah. Let's create some lemonade here. Okay. <laughs> we all we, we got lemons. We're gonna create yeah, lemonade. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, I can I can remember, you know, we we had a very diverse neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, I had neighbors that did look like me and some that didn't look like me. So, yeah, but we were we were diverse. One of my core memories of growing up in Seattle, and I used to go to Zion Prep. Oh, yeah, listen, if you didn't go to Zion Prep, you're not from yeah, here. No, you didn't. If you didn't wear the burgundy, <laughs> yes. you're, you're, you're not from here. You know the original Zion Prep that was right next to the Franz Bakery? Yeah, listen, the brown bus used to pick me up from, from our house, yeah. the one that I'm talking about. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and take me... To school. Uh-huh. Okay. Very but well. I remember smelling the fresh bread from the Franz Bakery. No right denying that. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, I'm like, it's a smell for me. Yeah. Like, when I smell that, I'm like, oh, Zion Prep. Yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> I mean, right. What high school did you go to? So I went to Christian Faith. Okay. So I was, that was, that was really 7th through 12th. Okay. I played um, 
high school softball at Foster High School. Okay. Um, I had a great time there. And see, I lived in Skyway. So my mom, she was a stay-at-home mom. Okay. Um, well, she always she always sold, like, uh, she had Jaffa products, and she, she always did something, and she was always at the school, mm-hmm. which is probably where I get that from, even though I'm a working mom, I'm present at my kid's school. Right. Um, but, but, yeah, so played softball at Foster, and then I went to Christian Faith. Switching gears back to your work, mm-hmm. how did you find yourself with a career in real estate? Ooh. <laughs> um, it happened when I was at the end of my first marriage. Mm. And we, let me just say, let me just say this. We're actually really cool now. Like okay. we're, we're good friends now. We were young. We were 19, I think 20, something okay. like that when we got married. Mm-hmm. Just some young Christian kids fresh out of high school and you know that's a whole nother podcast but um, (laughs) that's the relationship that's the relationship podcast (laughs) but I but I was at the I had no money no money bad credit end of a relationship you're a mother mother yeah and a wife yeah young wife I remember going down we were we had we had bought a house when we were when we were both I was 21 he was 22 couldn't keep up with the payments ended up having to sell it moved into an apartment I did not know that he wasn't paying the rent. Mm. Um, and so, and I knew I was in, I was in restaurant, right? I was in restaurant industry for 11 years and I didn't know that he, was, he wasn't paying the rent. So I walked into um, the office, the apartment office, and they had this look on their face and I just came in. I was like, hey, everybody, how's it going? <laughs> and they looked and I was like, okay, wait a minute. The energy's off. What's, mm. what's going on? Right. And they were like, um, you haven't paid your rent in two months. And I had, I was like, I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And so real estate had always been in the back of my mind. I had always been fascinated with um, investing. Before this happened, I had bought this like $1,500 Carlton Sheets. <laughs> I'll never forget it. It was this, I think it was these CDs and you had like yeah. 15 CDs on yeah. how to wholesale and flip and yeah. all the stuff, right? Waste money. But anyway, um, <laughs> It had always always fascinated me, and so when I found out that I was about to be evicted, I was like, "Okay, I need to I need to switch gears. I need to to do something different with my life." Um, and the property management, I said, "You know, I'm I was thinking about getting into real estate. This is kind of after we talked about it and figured out payment plans." And um, she was like, "Well, there's a real estate um, school right down the street," and I'm like, "Really?" And so I ended up going to that school. I actually walked into the school and I and my lease was about about up. And I walked in and I said, "Hey, I'm Dee Dee, and um, I have no money, <laughs> uh, and I'm interested in real estate. I can't afford your class, but um, if you allow me to take your class, I'll take your class. And when I pass the test, I will work for your company for two years." This, uh, this is a conversation that I had with Mary Petrelli. And she was like, okay. And I was like, and this, and then I find out that my credit's bad, right? 490. I can't buy toilet paper on credit. N- nothing at all. And I'm like, by the way, you know, I need a place to stay. And she's like, oh, we have a property management company. And yeah. I was like, cool. By the way, I don't have a deposit because I don't have any money. <laughs> and by the way, my credit's bad. Yeah. And she's like, we don't care about credit. And I was like, okay, so what are we going to do about this money thing? Yeah. <laughs> and so um, they 
she had one spot that was around the corner. It was in Northeast Tacoma. Mm. And I was going through this divorce. I didn't tell my family. Mm. So I'm going to these real estate classes. I, my, I'm putting my son through school. My little, he was two years old. Day and night, I'm going to these classes. I'm sitting in the back. Sometimes I didn't brush my teeth. Sometimes I'm like, some, I just had to get up and go yeah. and be present. And then I, we found a place. And so she's like, okay, but it's not going to be ready for two weeks. I was like, no, 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 no. I'm out by next week. I don't have two weeks. Yeah. And she's like, well, it's going to take two weeks to get it clean. I said, lady, if you don't give me these keys. So we cleaned it ourselves. Yeah. Um, I didn't tell anybody about my situation or what was going on because I just didn't want outside influences. I needed my story, my journey to be mine. Um, I didn't want anybody to talk me in or out of it. I just wanted this to be my thing um, and just be okay with how the outcome was going to be. Mm, Right. And so I called my dad. I was like, hey, I know that you're looking for a roommate. Uh, You want to you want to room up? I called my sister. And they're like, what? And I go, yeah, we're separating. Boom. And so we ended up living there for, I think, three years. Wow. Um, switched gears. I worked part-time at, at Red Robin, Dirty Bird, and <laughs> and did my real estate. That's how that started. That's quite a journey. <laughs> oh <my laughs> it's crazy. I was not expecting to hear that yeah. at all. So what about your personality do you think makes you a successful real estate agent? I think... Number one, I care about people. I genuinely care about the the outcome and helping them get to their win. Um, I'll go back to the classes that I took. So Jim Petrelli, the very first day in the class, he said, if you're just in this to just make money, you're in the wrong business and you don't even waste your time or your money with these classes, right? right? Like this is a business to really help people um, get to their end goal. And I was like, okay, I resonate with that. I've never been a, this is a side hustler or side gig, and there's nothing wrong with that. Right. But this is an industry. People are trusting you with one of the biggest financial decisions of their life, and it's an emotional one. Yeah. Sometimes people go through marriage. Sometimes people go through divorce. Sometimes people go through death. Some, it's first-time home buyer, mm-hmm. and you're telling me half a million dollars, and this is a side hustle for you? Like, that's crazy to me. Yeah. You know, so um, my philosophy is if you take care of people, the money will come. Mm-hmm. And so that's always been in the forefront. And that's probably, I would say that that's probably why I've been able to be blessed with the success that I've, that I have. I think that's a good answer. Yeah. Okay. So before I came here, I did some research and I looked up real estate agent demographics and statistics for 2023. So I'm just going to read two to you in particular. And I just kind of want to get what, how does this make you feel? Yeah. So 56% of real estate agents are female in the United States Mm -hmm. and 5.2% of real estate agents are black or Mm African-American. So when you hear these, these, when you hear these statistics, how does that make you feel? Well, because the narrative is that it's a white guy out here selling houses, first of all. Yeah. And then second, like, there's only 5.2%. 5.2% are black or African-American. Yeah. How does that make you feel? What do you think about that? And another statistic is in 2022, in this country, only 3% of those that purchased homes were black. Mm, in 2020? In 2022. 2022. Black. Wow. Right? So what it means to me is that our, we have an opportunity to be at the table, right? Like we, if only 5% of us are in this industry, there's a great opportunity. 
I think our 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 black community in uh, Seattle is small, um, and we have an opportunity with. And I don't know what the percentage is in Seattle, but I, I tried to look and I didn't find those that data. Point, right. So I, I, I would yeah. say that it's probably around three percent. Okay. Yeah. Right. Even if I give you the five, right? <laughs> yeah. There's 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 work to be done. Right. There's room at the table for everyone. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, um, what I see is opportunity. I would like to see more of us at the table, like you said. Sure. Um, and kind of piggybacking off that, in June 2020, following the killing of George Floyd, the CEO of Keller Williams. Gary Keller, issued a letter to all employees, making it clear that he stood in solidarity with the black community. Mm -hmm. Then in September of 2020, the Social Equity Task Force was launched. The task force reaches over 31 regions and 51 countries. So you're a social equity ambassador for Keller Williams. What does that work mean for you? Well, what it meant when I first took this position. So they called me and asked me, to do it, mm-hmm. right? And I can remember my team lead being super excited about this opportunity for me. It didn't mean any harm. And so <clears throat> it was like, you know what? I think you'd be great for this. You know, I'd throw my hat and give you a good recommendation. And the first person I called was my uncle, uh, Delbert Richardson. He's got the traveling African-American, and I think he actually calls it the American Museum, right? Because African-American history is American history. Exactly. Um, And I called him and I said, you know, while everyone around is excited about this opportunity for me, I actually don't want it. Mm. Because you want me to be at a table to talk about inequality that I shouldn't have to be at. So I'm not excited about this. Yeah. Like, I'm not excited about this. This isn't a, yay, I'm the social equity ambassador. Now I get to yeah. do what? Yeah. Right? Go into this company and, and try to explain racism or, or help people understand that there is an equity gap. Like, yeah. I'm not, I, I don't, that doesn't look, sound fun for me. Yeah, yeah. And the thing is, he said, he said, you were called, though. Mm. And, I, and he said, and sometimes the calling is not fun, but the work has to be done. Wow. Right? So I sat on this for a couple of days, um, about a week. And I, I finally said yes. Now, they had already kind of created the group for us, right, of social... Um, of, of our of our equi- social equity counterparts for for different um, regions, I said, you know, we kind of started that way with this group of people that were so excited mm-hmm. from different Keller Williams offices, and I think after the second or third meeting with everyone, I was like, this actually is not the targeted audience. Mm-hmm. The targeted audience needs to be leadership, right? Yeah. Because everybody here is willing to roll up their sleeves and do the work, but it doesn't matter if we don't have a seat at the table in leadership, right? So um, I went to the regional director and said, you know, I think we need to pivot this mm-hmm. and we actually need to have a conversation with your leadership right. because they're the ones that are hiring your staff. Those are the ones that are going out and getting, you know, the other agents. Mm-hmm. Um, and so from there on, I was at 
the leadership meetings every single Tuesday, um, myself and the two other social equity ambassadors for this first round. Okay. The first thing that we read was um, white fragility. When George Floyd died, it took Gary Keller some time to respond. It took leadership some time to respond. And I can remember thinking the clock is ticking, mm-hmm. right? Um, because saying nothing is saying something. That's correct. Right. And one of the things, you know, Gary Keller really, he spoke about his privilege and bias and racism. Mm-hmm. And I thought that that was bold of him. Mm-hmm. And when I tell you this Keller Williams, had it flipped, leadership left. I mean, literally I was in um, these leadership meetings and we had Blue Lives Matter. Oh, it, was, it was a whole thing. Yeah. Um, they gave me space to talk in this leadership, in these leadership meetings. Yeah. They, they were Zoom. And then it was at those moments where you would see people either log off yeah. or tune out yeah. or right and then and then our white allies that were in leadership actually spoke to that mm. um so we read white fragility so my mind frame was i need to find the white allies in the group mm-hmm. and i actually got that from our old team lead cole white lady she was like you're not going to get everybody Find your allies in this group and have them snatch the wigs. Because she was, when I tell you, the, baby, they were snatching wigs on Facebook. It was whoop, whoop. And I'm sitting back because, the, because they are privileged. Mm-hmm. All of them. Um, they all benefit from systemic racism. All of them, right? Um, and so you would begin to see the friction mm-hmm. between those that wanted to stay in their blue lives matter world. Right. And those that are, I don't see how you don't see this. Right. Now y'all get to see it on TV for real. Mm-hmm. You watched a man die yeah. and call for his mom. Like it's a, so, so now what, 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 what more proof did you have mm-hmm. to watch the arrogance of the police officer as he is killing this man? Right. So no, I was not, Excited! I'm not coming here with these pom poms. This was like, what is the work that needs to be done here, yeah. so that in these in these spaces, when my daughter wants to create her own business, mm-hmm. she can see that there's that she can actually create her own seat at the table because we actually need to be at the table in order to create change. Right. So, read the book with these people. I hadn't read it before, uh-huh. and. And it's funny how people seem to have an opinion about whatever we were talking about. And then my next question would be, oh, well, have, did you read the book? Did you read the chapter? <laughs> well, no. And then it'd be that silence. Mm-hmm. And so then as we're going through the book, people were starting to see the privilege. Mm. And then I would read two to three chapters ahead. And so whatever pushback they were getting, giving in chapter three... It was being addressed in chapter four. So then we would come back the next week mm-hmm. and they'd be like, so I want to go back to here, yeah. which we're on 27, third paragraph. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and, and that's kind of how it went. Mm-hmm. And then our Northwest region paid for Dr. Caprice Hollins to do a workshop. Gathered. Okay. <laughs> 
gathered. She she talked about racism. She talked about implicit bias mm. on both sides, black and white. Yeah. And once she did that workshop, it it broke up the fallow ground to now start having a real conversation. Mm. Right? Yeah. Because when I when I signed up for it, the first question I asked was how many of our investors are black? How many of our team leads and OPs are black? And it's like 1%. Mm. So then you had to eat that percentage. You had to sit with that yeah. and ask why. Yeah. Is it because of lack of opportunity? Is it because you weren't intentional mm-hmm. about creating what you say you want within this company? Right. Right? The fact that you actually handpicked these people to be on this task force. Right. And you didn't have not one black leader to actually <laughs> figure out how this was supposed to be. Right. Speaks to that. Exactly. You weren't even aware. Anyway, so the next so the next book we read. So we did White Fragility. Then we, we uh, Dr. Caprice Hollins came to the workshop. From there, we did The Color of Law. Okay. Hard book to read. Because now we're not just talking about this white fragility and your feelings as a white person. This, these are the laws. Mm-hmm. That your people put in place right. to keep black folks out of homes and home ownership right. and building generational wealth through real estate. Mm. Like this, y'all did that. Yeah. And these are laws. And here they are. And matter of fact, these are in your neighborhoods Lake Ridge, Bryn Mawr, mm. Rolling Hills, right. Renton. Like, so, so now you, so now even if you hated, White fragility, you didn't agree with anything. What you can't negate is this paperwork right here. Mm-hmm. So that was hard. Everybody need to take it. Now, after that, I was like, okay. What's the name of the book? Uh, the Color of Law. The Color of Law. Okay. Yeah. And it is, it's a black and white. It talks about redlining and blockbusting in such a way um, that when, after, after that book, Leadership. It was like, you know, we always talk about what it is. We didn't realize how deep it was. Mm. We, you know, in most people's mind, it was like a real estate agent shows up and they just don't want you. They're just not going to show you these homes. No, there are actually laws yeah. that keep you out of there. Yeah. Homeowners associations that keep you out of that neighborhood. Exactly. So after that, I said, OK, I'm ready to let somebody else take that mantle. Those meetings are still happening now. Those meetings are happening. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the conversations are happening and what action is like following? So, so we actually now have, um, I believe, a, a, a diversity, equity, inclusion. Um, that's part of our leadership right now mm-hmm. within Keller Williams. It's, it's, a, it's a tier in the, in the company that wasn't there before. Okay. Mm-hmm. And where do you see the real estate market going? I know that's a loaded question, so sorry. There's there's layers to the question, but okay. where do you see it going? In Washington State, I think everybody is kind of waiting for this big crash. Mm-hmm. I don't see that coming. Okay. Um, we have seen the market soften with the increase in interest rates. Right. That is not an indication that the market is crashing. Mm. Right. It's an indicate. So <clears throat> remember when we had that two, three kind of four yeah. percent when we were in a pandemic. Right. It stopped the banks from going bankrupt. Yeah. That's what it did so that everybody didn't go belly up. So everybody was still able to purchase 
with a decent interest rate. These interest rates that we are seeing now are actually part of a healthy market. Mm-hmm. We've just been spoiled with the 2 to 3 to 4%, exactly. right? And so the people that are like, oh, I'll wait till the market crashes. Well, you missed 2%, and now you're asking for that again. And now we're at 8% where you could have purchased at 2 to 4% and 8%. Now you've, you either have priced yourself out of the market or you're getting less for what you mm-hmm. what you could have got back then. Do you think that's related to a lot of millennials feeling priced out of the market right now? And do you see like a solution for that? Sure. Yeah. And my... I guess my answer to that would be, what are you paying in rent? Mm-hmm. When is the last time your rent has gone down? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because if you can afford rent in Washington State, nine out of ten times you can probably afford a home. So you do think it's just a mentality thing? I do. I think it's a mentality thing. Yeah. I do. There are down payment assistant programs mm-hmm. that are out there um, that are available. They're not just for low income. They're not just for people. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, the millennials that are coming out of college that you know are work, working for your Microsoft and the bigger companies the ones that are getting the you know twenty thousand fifty thousand dollar bonuses yeah still it's like well I don't want to pay such and such for a mortgage that sounds crazy mm-hmm. but you'll pay four thousand dollars for rent is it do you think it's the location they want to be in a specific space and that's what the issue is that they don't want to move out to Puyallup or Graham is that the story in the real estate industry mm-hmm. the pivot is not only just like people don't necessarily want to live in cities now because they can work from home a lot that's of them right. work from home right. so because they can work from home they can live a little further out where things are a little cheaper sure but maybe these millennials are like nah we're city girls we're city boys whatever you know the so I, I can speak from my experience the millennials that i have talked to that that have not purchased yeah some of them are from different states that come here and have sticker shock to, I'm paying how much in Seattle? Right. What is the dollar amount? No, I'm going to go ahead and pay $4,000 to rent. Yeah. A, I don't know if I'm going to still want to be here, right? I might be here for two years and then what, mm-hmm. right? And so then it's a different conversation. I It might be more of a commitment issue mm-hmm. than anything. Okay. That's worth exploring in another in another time, Absolutely. In another space. Okay. Absolutely. And do you have advice for a new real estate agent in your industry? Yeah. Yeah. You, you really need to get with a company that is education-based first. You really need to understand business mm. and understand that this is a business. Right. And if you don't have a managing broker to help you create a business plan... Um, that has a business model that's something that you can scale then you're in the wrong business I think so sometimes the people will take the 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 new shiny thing right or the oh I'm with this company and I don't have to pay into them at all zero well you get what you pay for yeah right nothing which is nothing which is nothing you can hang your license but who has who has set up a plan for you to help you take your business to a life by design Mm. and not default. Exactly. Right. So education, seek education. Education. Got to be education. Managing broker. Education, mentorship, accountability. Mm. If if they don't speak that language, you are not going to make it in this industry. Yeah. 
Do you think we have too many real estate agents? Yeah, and they're they're getting flushed out as we speak. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think for the past ten years, it's been it's been easy. Everybody's taking the test, and everybody's an agent, and everybody's cousin is this, and you know they they work this job by day, and then they kind of do the things by night. And yeah. This is not a fly by night business. Mm-hmm. This this takes some skill set. Yeah. It takes mindset. You know, and so the question is, when you hire somebody that's a part time agent, they're working somewhere eight to 10 hours a day, non real estate agent or not non real estate. Mm -hmm. Why would you want to entrust somebody and they're giving you their leftover time? Yeah. Okay, switching gears again. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to ask you about being president of the Sierra Sisters, which is a nonprofit organization dedicated to providing support education and advocacy for women of African descent who are impacted by breast cancer. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. So it was started by my mom when she was 35 years old. Okay. So she got diagnosed on her birthday. Um, she, this is what she said. She said, God woke me up and said, go get a mammogram. Mm. She said, I didn't even know what a mammogram was. At 35 years old. At 35 years old. Okay. She went to the, she called, no, I actually think she went to the hospital and they told her to go home. Because at her age, black women don't get breast cancer mm. or black women don't get a period mm. um, and come back when you're 50. And so she insisted. Mind you, she got good insurance. My, my dad works for the post office. That that insurance is some great insurance. Yeah. Um, she insisted and they found that she had breast cancer. Okay. And so I, um, I believe it was through one of her doctors that said, listen, you're not the only one going through this. Can I can I have this person call you? Mm. And, and talk to you about her journey. And that's how Sierra Sisters was birthed. She would be talking to women in Starbucks or these different places. and That's amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and then so here we are, 20-something years, 27 years later, okay. still doing the thing. We have World Mammography Day mm-hmm. coming up this, this Saturday okay. um, at Langston Hughes. So it's, it's just, um, we do it every year. We've been helping women get free mammograms. We're advocates for them. Education. Yeah. Uh, you have to just look her up. Bridget Richardson Hempstead. She's got an amazing resume. I feel like as a black woman, it's hard to find another black woman that hasn't been affected or doesn't know somebody that knows somebody. That's right. So more of us should know that this organization exists. Absolutely. Because I, to be honest, didn't know what it was until... I had read your bio. Wow. So. We literally just came back from Fred Hutch. Yeah. Jill Biden was there. Yes, you told me we're, about that. We're still waiting for the picture from the White House. Hello, White House. <laughs> send us up those photos. If we you can t- hear this, right. please send it. <laughs> please send it. Um, but, but you know, she has created some change, Cancer Care Alliance, Fred Hutch. She's yeah. got some allies. So That's nice. super proud of her. She's nice. my shero. Mm-hmm. What would you say has been your biggest personal or professional challenge so far? Getting out of my own way. Mm. What mm-hmm. does that mean? You know, I think sometimes we create a narrative in our head on what we think this life is supposed to look like. Mm -hmm. And then we get disappointed when we show up in spaces where it's like, oh, this isn't this isn't how I thought this was going to be. Yeah. Right. I didn't think that I would be divorced, have three kids, failed marriage. Yeah. Then a child out of wedlock. Now, you know, so we're talking about a, a Christian girl. Yeah. Right. Who got married failed marriage, had another child, out of wedlock, got married again, which, by the way, my boo is wonderful now, Mr. Mr. Jonathan Scott, and he's a contractor. But even to get to this point, yeah. the journey, I just felt, you know, and I was a, I was a single mom for 15 years mm. and built this business as a single mom, Wow. right? Yeah. And so 
I, one day I um, had to, I went into an, a hotel by myself, spent two days by myself. Best sleep I ever had, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember I had two, two large sheets of paper. One was the expectations mm. of everyone yeah. that everyone put on me. Mm. And then I wrote down all the expectations that I expected of myself. And then I took that and then I was like, okay, what do I really expect of myself? Because the expectations that I thought that I put on myself were should have actually been on the, the, the paper that... The first sheet. The first sheet. Yeah. Oh, that's not my expectation. Yeah. That was somebody else's expectation. Exactly. Yeah. Right? And then I had a hard time figuring out what I expected of myself. Mm-hmm. And I was like, great, that's where we're going to start. Right. Mm-hmm. I expect that I want to be a good mom. Yeah. And the first place that I need to do is just be honest with my kids. Yeah. So I sat my kids down when I came back because I had two good nights of sleep. <laughs> and I said, hey, listen, your mom's not perfect. Yeah. I have fumbled the bag a lot. And my kids were like seven and four, like something. They were young. And I was having this adult conversation. <laughs> And I was like, but I just need you guys to rock with me because we're about to be successful and we're just going to make this thing happen. Okay. And they were like, okay, mom. You know, those were my admins for a long time. They were the ones that would lick the stamps and mailers and (laughs) and drop off stuff. And I I wanted to be a good mom first. Okay. Period. But getting out of your own way. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm sure all of it was mental. Yeah. It was mental. Yeah conversation was that the very moment where you where everything shifted for you or did it take some time it took time okay it took time it took it took being in a room with other people that were also in their own way yeah so I took this class called bold which they're actually doing it right now the first time I took bold and I hated it because I I actually thought that they were going to give me the 10 steps to be a successful agent right (laughs) it's an eight-week class and I got into it and I was like, this is some foo-foo, oh, for Winfrey bullcrap. Like, I don't, you're talking about mindsets and this, I'm talking, I need you to tell me how to have a good open house, how to do this. Tell me, tell me the 10 things that I need to do and I'm going to do it so I can be successful. Mm -hmm. And it was all around your mindset. And so eight weeks, I was mad, (laughs) right? But I actually still did the activities. And at the end of the class, I saw that my business was more profitable but my mindset still didn't ma- match the activities. Like it hadn't yeah. caught up to it to itself, yeah. right? And then there are times where I may be in a room where I don't feel worthy. Mm. I, why, why should I get that million dollar listing? Yeah. Why should I go and talk? I'm sure that doctor has 10 to 12 other agents that they'd rather talk to. Why would they choose me? Yeah. And it's like, why do you think that way? Mm-hmm. Why are you not deserving of that? You've been doing this for and 17 years. Yeah. Why do you why do you not think that you are in you deserve to be in those spaces mm-hmm. and deserve to be successful as you see it? Would you call that imposter syndrome? Yeah. But where did we get it from? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, I think that sometimes it's from the expectations that yeah. other people have put on you. I think it's sometimes when you see other people be successful and you see like don't be fooled about these solds and stuff that you guys see on Instagram, I can pull people's numbers right now and tell you they haven't sold two houses in two years. <laughs> but but the, but the IG is slamming. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. Um, you know, it's... it's. I don't know where it comes from. Mm-hmm. And I think in different phases in my life, I was able to unpack it. Yeah. 
when when you give a vision to somebody or you say hey i'm thinking about doing this and the first thing they do is they take a hammer and they smash it or yeah. tell you why it's not a good idea or how to do it better it's like oh maybe they're right mm-hmm. well, maybe you're right maybe they're wrong yeah and sometimes at least for me i do think like a lot of black parents are very protective of their children mm-hmm. and in different ways and we, we may, it may not be like an intentional thing right we internalize it in the right. same way where we're like oh we're not good enough right like i'm not smart enough i'm right. not whatever enough right even though our parents didn't intend for that to happen sure how are you parenting differently because this is a different generation sure you know um so when i decided to t- to do this career full-time i was 29 years old uh-huh. i had two kids i was struggling i was on struggle street and i was still doing real estate right but i was still working as a cocktail waitress i could see where the the restaurant industry was getting in the way of my growth even though i didn't know what it looked like yeah and i remember i can remember as clear as day i was walking up the elevator or i was in the elevator and we were going up to to start my shift and i had Seven hundred and twenty-nine dollars in my account and two shaky deals that could have got it could have blew up at any time. These two deals would have carried me for ninety days, right? Maybe four months, and would have gotten me some time to to really get into my business. And I remember walking into the restaurant and going, "I said, hey, we can look at the calendar. My last day is going to be X, mm-hmm. right?" And um. I bet on myself. Mm-hmm. I took a risk with two kids and I got a lot of backlash from that. Oh, you need to wait six months. You need to wait till this and that. You know, you have kids. Them kids are counting on you. And I was like, maybe they're right. And I was like, no, I really can't do this anymore. And so I took a risk and my rent was $1,136 a month. You know, um, I was already short coming, coming out the gate. Yeah. Um, and so... I don't know that I have to tell my kids too much of that story because they lived it with me. Mm-hmm. You know, um, my kids, they they, laugh, they make fun of me now. They're like, Mom, remember when we used to eat Struggle-O's? I'm like, what is that? What's a Struggle-O? They're like, you know, Mom, the noodles and the hot dog, the macaroni and cheese with the hot dogs. I was like, boy, that's still slapping a day. Don't play. We, we could do that tonight. But I think the living by the example, I made a commitment that I was going to take my kids on the journey with me. Yeah, I think that a, a lot of our parents tried to shield us from a lot of things as we were growing up. Yeah. And then when we got older, it was like, why the hell did you tell me that this was a thing? Yeah. Or that, you know, we we share some of this same DNA, the same pitfall that you went through. Yeah. You could have helped me out said, hey, yeah. this is in you, sis. Warning sign, don't yeah. go left, stop, stop, yeah. you know. Yeah, I can sympathize with that too because I do feel like my parents – hit a lot of things for me. Yeah. And as I become an adult, I'm just, I'm like, my mind is blown and I'm like, why? And now we're like, now I'm going to be as honest with you as possible. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Vulnerable. Per your age, yeah. right? I'm going to, I'm going to get, I'm going to give it to you. But, but I mean, that's how I decided to parent. Yeah. That, that's how I lived it. Yeah. And, you know, I just took my kids on the journey with me. Mm-hmm. So what's next for you? <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> um, Part of that question before before I do that, you you asked me, you know, what's the the challenge that I have right now is balance, right? Um, three kids. I got married two years ago, so I have a husband. Mm-hmm. We we decided to have a child. I got pregnant three months into the marriage. Woo! We bought an investment piece of property, so like we're landlords, and yeah. so juggling that is is tough. And I haven't quite figured that out. 
What I do know is that the best way um, for me to accomplish the things that I want to accomplish is to have leverage. No one succeeds alone. Um, And these are all the trainings and these are all the things that I've been taught. And I feel like now it's time to really start implementing the things that I've been taught. I am putting together a larger team. I have a small team, but I'm looking for, you know, within a, I have an assistant, but I'm looking for another assistant, showing specialist, um, buyer's agent. Yeah. Um, because I feel like, or I see that the opportunities are going to open up for me because this isn't really just about real estate, right? right? These are impacting people's lives. Right. Um, and there's some other tiers that I really want to dive into. Okay. Okay. But what does your perfect day look like? like <laughs> you wake up at, like, I want to hear it. Okay. So first of all, the, per- the perfect day starts with a full night's sleep. Hey. Yeah. I need more rest. Yes. I listen here. I need more rest. I need more rest. You know, my son is just now starting to sleep through the night. Mm-hmm. See, we forgot about this. My <laughs> husband was 49 when we had him, when, yeah. when I delivered, I was 41. Uh-huh. So we forgot. <laughs> Yeah, the the sleepless nights in Seattle. Yeah, yeah. we're sleepless in Seattle. <laughs> yeah. Um, so a perfect day starts with a perfect good night's sleep. Yeah. On a perfect day, it's my day off. Okay. If you really want to know, and okay. and that's that's at a hotel. That's what I wanted to hear. Oh, that's where yeah. you want to go. Oh, yeah, okay. So, so this is your perfect. This day is my perfect day. day. Yeah, I'm I'm waking up in a five star hotel in a big bed. Somebody has made me breakfast in bed yeah. and brought it to me. That sounds like more my style, girl. Yeah, and I'm I'm watching reruns of Martin <laughs> until I want to go to sleep, yeah. and then somebody's gonna bring me dinner. I'm not getting out the bed. Is, is you there know? a balcony? There's, There's a balcony. Okay. The bathroom has a 72 inch tub. Oh, so bubble bath. The whole yeah, <laughs> which which I I took my my husband on a rendezvous and we went to this hotel and it had a 72 inch tub and I was like hey I really want one of those when you remodel our bathroom yeah yeah that was two years ago I bought the tub which is still on my deck <laughs> okay husband okay husband. hear this right we're calling on you we're calling on Hello? you but it's but it's coming okay yeah and then when are you happiest when I'm with my family oh yeah really you know when when uh, when all the kids are in the house, mm-hmm. husband's in the house, and we're just all together. You're just vibing. That that is my yeah. that's my happy place. Do you have like family time? We're trying. We're doing our best to create it. Okay. You know, my son is 19, so he's got the whole west wing of the downstairs. He's working. He plays soccer. He's in college, okay. so he's in and out. You know, my daughter is 13 years old, so she lives in her room. Yeah. She comes out to eat. You know, yeah. comes play with a baby, so it's a different, you know. So I got you. Yeah. Well, well, thank you for being here and sharing these precious moments. And if yeah. you're in the market for a home and want to get in contact with Didi, I'll post her contact info in yeah. the notes. And similarly, if you want to learn more about Sierra Sisters, the nonprofit, I'll follow up and make those available as well. So, Absolutely. But thank you for being here. Thank I you so you. much for having yeah. me. <laughs> D-I-Y.